0: What's up, man? What's up, DJ? How you doing, man?
1: I'm happy, man. I'm glad glad to have you here. So it's been, uh, we were here a couple, probably a couple months ago. You and Amber were on, but I knew that we needed to do one of these by ourselves because we just didn't have the time to get into, you know. Yeah, it was back in August, Maestro. AKA 23. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. So, look, last time we talked a little bit about how you got into this deal, but I just want to shoot the shit, man, and catch up on everything. And uh, I know we got a fight coming up this, the end of this week. But um, just, you know, kind of let everyone know who you are, you know, in retrospect. Well, for those
0: that, that maybe tuned in that already know who I am, you know, it, it seemed to be a big shock to everybody when I made the announcement that, hey, I was part of the ownership here at AKA and I was going exclusive with AKA moving forward. And I think some people got off on the wrong foot thinking that was, all oh, walking away from everybody else. It wasn't that. I've enjoyed my time at every promotion I've ever worked for. Love and respect every promoter given me the opportunity to showcase my skill set inside their cage, okay? But what it came down to, man, this is something I've had a dream of doing since I was a kid. And with so many promotions out there, they run great shows, but it's kind of the weekend warrior mentality. Say, I have a regular job in my family and I do this for a few extra dollars and to give the fighters that I know an opportunity to fight. And they do it for all the right reasons, but it's maybe three shows a year, four shows a year. And I'd gotten to the point in my career, DJ, I had taken it as far as I possibly could over these last 15, 16 years. I mean, I've done almost 230 MMA shows alone, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, working with the Final Four, all these different events. I knew I had reached it as high as I was possibly going to get as an announcer because all the big jobs are taken. Somebody's already got the job at the UFC, at Bellator, and all these bare bare knuckle, all these companies, they've got their guy, and it's not like that guy's going anywhere just because hot shit dynamite's here. You know what I mean? So I felt like that's the next progression, and I knew with Amber and John Bishop I'd met the right people that had the same goals that I did to where, hey, let's stand on the gas and see if we can get this thing done without rubbing the wall coming out of turn three like we saw this past weekend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. No, it's, it's nice to see that. Uh, it's nice to see it grow. It's nice nice to see you being involved now exclusively, right? Because, like you said, it's something to where you're having to run around and catch every single fight in the area just to, you know, make a payday, one, but also to try to build your brand, which mm-hmm. is interesting, too, because you have your own brand. Most announcers, you know, and commentary or anything don't really have that. They kind of ride right on the promotion for the branding, whereas you have your own brand. So no matter where you go, people know who
0: you are. <laughs> well, that that's something else. Look, you've been around me and people that have been around me and know me personally. I'm not that guy, man. Look, I love making people happy. Right. I don't take myself very serious. That's why you get all the goofy antics and the yeah. wild obnoxious stuff out of me. But at the same time, at some point in time, you got to toot your own horn a little bit and nobody's going to hear you. Nobody's going to know who you are. So I go out there and I put all the dynamite stuff out, this, that, and the other. But look, man, I'm the most laid back, humble guy you'll you'll ever meet. But yeah, I mean, you got to grow your brand. You got to get it out there a little bit. And that's one thing I've always kind of prided myself on. A lot of announcers have fans because of the company they represent. Yeah. Everywhere I go, you know, I've got fans that are fans of me and all of the craziness that I do. And there's no better feeling in the world, man. And I love everybody that's ever gave me a compliment, you know, shared my stuff, bought a dynamite T-shirt, anything like that. That's why I do it, DJ. I love making people happy. That's what makes me happy. Well, that's what I like about it. I think it's a rare thing. First off, let's let's enjoy some of this. So we got some
1: altos here. Um, This is a reposado. I know you're a bourbon guy, but you're on this show. I like a little tequila as
0: well. I only do tequilas, Good. Go down your neck like honey do water. That's good <laughs> stuff right there, brother.
1: But, yeah, man, so, I mean, I think that um, – I just think it's cool. I think it's interesting that um, we've known each other now for shit probably, I don't know, as long as I've been doing this. Um, and I think it's cool to, to be able to watch you grow in this sport too. You know, like, for me, it's like I was always just one toe in the water, kind of outside looking in, but I've been fortunate enough to be able to, you know, help with commentary and hang out with you guys throughout this whole process of this growth. But also see you grow too, so it's just it's cool to see that because it's I think you're a rare you know gem in the field of what you're doing you know.
0: Oh, and I catch a lot of flack, man. I got plenty of haters out there, and if you ain't got haters, you ain't ain't nobody yet. Yeah. But I do. I got a lot of haters out there, and the reason being, man, announcers, you know, you're supposed to just stand in the middle of the ring, talk with a very professional and pronounced voice. Your suit's got to be perfect, your hair's got to be perfect, and then that's it. I never wanted to be that. I wanted to be everything the anti buffer that I could possibly be. I wanted to be everything that was against what buffer did, both buffers. So, and I knew I was gonna catch a lot of flack behind that, but that's why I started okay, everybody calls me dynamite, so I took on the TNT ACDC song. Been yeah. using that for about 15 years. So the hell announcer comes out the music, right? I do. Come out the music, pyro, smoke the whole yeah. nine yards. Then it goes to the confetti cannons. And if you notice at a lot of the events, DJ, I mean I'm kind of glancing, watching the fights, but I'm out in the crowd, man. I'm out running around. I don't stay inside that barricade by the cage. I'm out interacting with the fans, making sure everybody has a good time, just out there cutting up, man, with the dynamaniacs. Yeah. What do you
1: think? Uh what do you think's been the most interesting like seeing this sport evolve as you've evolved
0: in it? One of the biggest things, man, I can remember in the early going about 15, 16 years ago is seeing how the sport has grown through the passing on of the knowledge of local schools and guys that older school guys Mm. that started out before anybody knew what MMA was. And they were doing underground kickboxing matches. Man, I can remember when I was doing shows at Renaissance MMA back at a Harris Casino in New Orleans years ago. We would have a couple local gyms bringing fighters in there. And every once in a while, you'd have somebody who was from American Top Team. And you just knew we'd all be in the back. Yeah, whoever's fighting him (laughs) is getting his ass whipped tonight. Because at that time, you had two or three schools throughout the country that knew what they were doing. Everybody else was still kind of learning. Hey, what's this jujitsu? What's this? What's that? And now, man, any show anywhere on the country on any given night, a local gym, anybody can beat anybody. The talent and the skill set has been passed along, and that's the way it should happen, man. Giving back. Yeah. So guys that went out there and fought for fifty bucks a night in front of a hundred people before there was ever a such thing as the UFC, they took what they learned and they passed it on to the next generation. Yeah. And then that generation passed it on to the next one, and that's what's been the coolest thing for me as far as the sport of mixed martial arts. Yeah, I think it's I think it's
1: super important that that's talked about because yeah I mean for the longest time it was no one was able to grow in the rankings from a local level or regional level to you know it was like you had to be that best person in the crowd right whereas now you don't know who you're like what their pedigree is until you step in that ring because the knowledge is there now right it's at scale we can access these specific moves and these specific you know submissions and these specific escapes and these specific takedown defenses and now i've been watching um i can't remember who it is posting these um these head movements and and foot movement um exercises and, and showing like some anti-climatic um workarounds basically i've been it's just funny how like there's so many fight professors out there now who are analyzing tape like it would be from like football mm-hmm. or something and looking at things saying okay this person's stepping at this angle yeah you can do this and slip this or, or maybe move around but you also can do this and time their you know, footwork and do, and you know, counter with this. And I just think it's cool to see it evolve to where it's, it's something somewhat of a science. Now, before it was just kind of like a, um, experiment i guess you
0: know what I mean? well man that's something i've talked about a lot and especially when i'm going out you know trying to sell the sport trying to sell our brand to get us into new markets and things like that is look at what this sport has accomplished in such a short period of time yeah football basketball baseball 100 150 years you know these sports have been around for a long time but this huge boom in popularity and the revenue they're generating just in the last 15 to 20 years Look at where MMA has come from being accused of being human cockfighting by U.S. senators and stuff like that. Everybody was so against it. Look at how far it's come in 15 to 20 years, man. And it has not hit its peak yet. Yeah. And you talk about mixed martial arts as a whole, not just the UFC brand, but they're generating revenue that can compete with the big three team sports. Of course. And there's still so much ahead. And this sport is evolving, like you said, what you alluded to, each and every day. So, man, it's arguably the most exciting sport on the planet, and there's always new wrinkles coming out. So it's exciting to see what the future holds.
1: I think it's it's interesting – too, because of the amount of different cultures that are involved. It's called mixed martial arts for a reason, mm-hmm. right? So it's like baseball. You have here's how you play the sport, and that's pretty much you're, you're either better at this position than the other person, or that's about it, right? Whereas you bring in – so you have one style of fighting, then you bring another style of fighting in, and then it changes the entire fight, right? And if you bring another stylistic artist in, then it changes that scenario. So I think that's one of the most important – things and i think that's why it's evolved so much and everyone knows of course the early days of gracie you know you know submitting these huge guys and you know then introducing jujitsu but now it's like these kids are training these these arts at an early age and to know everything and it's because the cultures have mended well right mm-hmm. to where now it's like we're learning everything from every background of
0: you know this type of martial arts and we're able to mix it together and create our own style that was one of the things that brought me to the sport early in the day was, again, those, hey, who's better, a judo fighter or a karate fighter? Right, yeah. Who's better, a sumo wrestler or a Greco-Roman? So yeah. seeing those different clash and styles, and just from an announcer's standpoint, I kind of miss that, being able to say what style fighter they are, because now everybody's a freestyle fighter or a mixed martial artist yeah. or a Brazilian jiu-jitsu right. practitioner. Yeah. That's about the only three you get now.
1: Yeah, you don't hear all that other stuff anymore. Yeah, no, you don't, don't hear it the whole you'll lot. You hear like a traditional karate, but... Some a lot of those times those guys don't need to be in there.
0: <laughs> it just is what it is, though, man. <laughs> is what it is. It's We're speaking a, truth here on yeah. Frequency Interrupted. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that I, I think it's, it's interesting too. I think it that so you never did you have any martial arts background at all?
0: Oh man, when I was a kid, you know, I did a little show to on karate, but I mean nothing of so, note.
1: but you're you're an amazing commentator and you haven't been in there, right? As far as competing, but you I think it's awesome that you're you still know all the the moves and you're you're quick on your feet with, you know, okay, he needs to transition here, he needs to take it here. And I think that's I think that's something to say, you know, because some guys will be like, well, why does a guy like that don't need to be talking about that? They have no clue what they're talking about, but you do. Because I've been sitting right beside him like shit, Don might say something before I even <laughs> said it. Like, shit, hell yeah, he's on point.
0: I pay attention, man. I'm yeah. a student of the game and it just yeah. comes from the respect I have for all you guys as fighters. I I've seen what it takes and people don't see that sometimes on the professional level. It's a little different. You're making money. This is what you do for a living. It's all you do all day. Every day is eat, sleep, breathe and shit. MMA. Yeah. When you're at the regional level where we are right here, look, these guys got a nine to five. They got kids. They got to put to bed every night. You got to cut the grass on Saturday. You got to get up and go to work all day. And then you got to find time to put in the training to get better and compete at this level and hopefully climb. So it's just the respect that I have for those guys. So I listen, I pay attention, I learn. And then of course, with my own selfish ambitions, if you want to grow and do more in this sport. Hey, you can't lock yourself into where I'm just a ring announcer, and that's it. If I can't be that, I don't want to do nothing. Yeah, that's like going to be on a football team and The coach. says, well, I can use you as running back, but I don't have any quarterback spots open, and you you don't want to play NFL football because you couldn't be a quarterback. No, I mean, so I keep myself very versatile. That way, if I ever you know the the opportunity presents itself, I can always fill in and do anything needs to be done. Be it interviews, be it commentary, be it the announcing,
1: I got it, man. Yeah, I think it, I mean I really do. I think you're well rounded there.
0: I would say I would say if, yeah, if you're to lay the the
1: pedigree out there that you I mean you're good at all those things I've seen you do all those things. Um what's something dynamite's
0: not good at? Oh dynamite's <laughs> not good at a lot of stuff man that's a long damn list. Dynamite is not good at technical. Dynamite is not good on computers, not good with social media. Look, I'm lucky if I can get that share button on social media, yeah. man. So I rely heavily on our team here at AKA to help out with stuff. And I love man like we were talking about earlier, you know, I have fans out there that'll go and Pull pictures off of my Facebook from way back when, and they'll they'll dress it up and add flames and put fonts and all this other stuff. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I don't know how to do it, but thank you so much for doing it for me. Yeah. No, so I'm, yeah, it really feels good.
1: I think that's cool. I think it, it, that's always awesome to like to get something you know from someone that you may not even know that well that actually gives a damn, right? I mean, always- well, look, and
0: I'll say something back to what we talked about earlier, and I know I'm a catch crap about it, so all you haters out there, go ahead and get the hater aid out, take a big old gulp, because here it comes. You take Bruce Buffer yeah. out of the UFC. I don't know Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer is the man. He's awesome. He's a, okay? But you take Bruce out of the UFC. Let's say he's never announced there. He came up organically, kind of like I did, through all these different regional shows. Is that any other? Would everybody in the world know who Bruce Buffer is? Is he that unique? Is he that different from every other MC out there? Because I tell you, I know a lot of talented MCs, man. I'm friends with a lot of them. We interact on social media and stuff from time to time. Bruce has that following because of the company he represents. That's the top brand. He's the number one guy with them. You see him. Everybody loves him. Bruce, ain't never announced in a bingo hall. Bruce ain't never went out there in front of 50 people. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he met his long-lost, half-adopted brother, got hooked up, UFC, off and running. That was going to be my question because I was always wondering,
1: how did that happen? So that, so you have Michael Buffer who's been doing it longer, I'm assuming.
0: I don't know the full story. I've read a few yeah. articles a few times. All right, so if, if my understanding is right, Michael Buffer was going around. Didn't even I don't think he used the last name Buffer. Then he found out that he was adopted, so he went out and found who his real <clears> family was, and that's when he met Bruce. Bruce came up with the idea of, hey, let's patent. Let's get ready to rumble. Those kind of things. Bruce was his booking okay, agent. Gotcha. Or Michael had, was gaining some steam. Got Bruce a job. He said, hey, be my booking agent. And then next thing you know, Bruce ended up getting hooked up with the UFC in the early days before they got to where they are now and been there ever since. But once again, here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. The bomb dropped. There's no love lost between me and the Buffers, be it Michael or Bruce. Okay. When AKA was with UFC Fight Pass, our first show we ever did. During the COVID craziness, a lot of goofy stuff going on, I went out there and I did my standard intro, like I always do. High energy, 360, spinning around, stomping the foot. Well, the guy who runs, whoever that might be, the UFC Fight Pass Twitter page, decided he was going to try to bury me and make an ass out of old dynamite. So he took my opening and he put it on the official UFC Fight Pass Twitter page. And the heading up top, I didn't know all this when I first saw it, said a new challenger for Triple C's Cringe Crown. Uh-oh. And then they ran my whole intro. Well, lo and behold, whoever who that little shit is that runs their <laughs> UFC Fight Pass page, it got almost 90,000 views in less than 24 hours. Now the reviews and the comments were, were mixed. I got a lot of support from a lot of UFC fighters and some fans out there. And I got one of the most recurring comments that popped up. This is what you get when you order Bruce Buffer off a of Wish. That was my favorite one. That one popped up a lot. I enjoyed that one. But uh, so it got almost 90,000 views in less than 24 hours. I mean this this thing went big time. Well, a lot of people in the UFC were sharing it around. It gets back somebody shared it to Bruce Buffer. They tagged Bruce Buffer. Next thing I know, I get served legal papers from a law office representing a Ready to Rumble LLC from California. And yeah, they were uh, threatening me with a whole shitload of money wanting damages because I had I said the words are you ready? Oh Now, how many MCs have you heard ask the crowd, are you ready? What the fuck else are you going to ask them? Okay, I said the words, (laughs) are you ready? Well, everybody knows Michael Buffer owns Let's Get Ready to Rumble, right? right? So you don't say that. I've never said it. Never would say that. But what I would do, I would say, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the officials are ready. The fighters are ready. I ask you now, Shreveport, Louisiana, and I'd do my big 360, and I'd lay back and scream, are you ready? And the crowd goes nuts. Well, Michael Buffer's got a patent on the words, are you ready? No, shit You sure. can't say that either. And... I can show you video after video after video, DJ, of other MCs saying, are you ready? Right. Even in the style of Buffer, saying it on UFC Fight Pass, saying it on other broadcast networks is that any other. Nobody bothers them. They saw me as a threat because I got almost 90,000 yeah, views in a yeah. day and all these big wigs in the industry were sharing my stuff around. Like it or hate it, I was getting traction. So like I say you stick your head up above the crowd a little bit, and somebody's going to try to knock it off. Yeah, And that's where like I say I don't know either one of them, never met either one of them, and I might better watch my words because the stories are true. Bruce Buffer probably whipped my ass. <laughs> but, yeah, no, after doing something like that, I just, yeah, I've got just not a lot of love there. And the reason being, everything I did when I started out to do this, I knew I wanted to be non-traditional. I wanted to be different. I wanted to be everything counter to Buffer. You know, if Buffer's white, I was going to be black. If he was going to be blue, I wanted to be green. I didn't want to be nothing like him or them because I didn't want to be that cookie-cutter mold trying to imitate somebody that I grew up watching. I wanted to be a trendsetter. I don't want to be the next Buffer. I want to be the first damn dynamite. So I want the next generation coming up saying, hey, I want to get down like that guy. I want to inspire somebody else. So the fact that, you know, that that happened to me... Really, you know, just just got under my skin a little bit. But hey, you you got to learn to deal with it when you when you're doing something different, when you're doing something counterculture, you're always gonna have a little pushback.
1: I didn't know that happened.
0: Yes, I, knew, it happened. I knew
1: some of that stuff happened, but I didn't know it went to that extent. So yes, it so happened. What, what do you say now? What can you say now if you can't say that?
0: Well, now <laughs> I changed my opening because well, I say basically all it was, man, it was a mafia style shakedown for right. his legal team, just trying to get money out of me because the video went viral and got so much traction. They thought I was making this big money as a ring announcer. And when I explained to the guy who I was, what I did for a living, and this, that, and the other, oh, well, maybe I can talk to Mr. Buffer and get it down to this, or maybe I can get it down to that. I said, man, I ain't paying you nothing. Well, I guess we can just go with a standard cease and desist. So I got a cease and desist, so I've never said it again, never will say it again. But now it's uh, normally, it's ladies and gentlemen, the stage is set, the lights are bright. Welcome to AKA, where the stars of tomorrow shine tonight. Then I'll thank our sponsors, a few other things. Then I get into it at now. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, champions will be made Debts will be paid and hands will be laid right here inside the A.K.A. cage. Yep. So that's kind of my opening now. It's okay. not as energetic or as exciting as it used to be. And then, of course, I go into the mm. It's Go Time and the Foot Above the Head foot stomp. Yeah.
1: You get your, I don't even think I get my foot that high anymore.
0: <laughs> I'm the, see, old Dynamite is 44, man. I'm 44 years old and I can still, yeah, get it I mean, completely was, up above my head. I was
1: head kicking a couple years ago, but now it's like, all these CrossFit movements, I don't, I stretch different these <laughs> these days. Things go different ways. It's still good mobility, but different mobility. Yeah, but I'm finding
0: that. My check engine light it isn't on full time, but it's kind of flickering at yeah. me every once in a while. <laughs> I'm at that age, you know. But I don't think no. You said it's not quite as good.
1: I disagree, man. I, I don't think I, no one. I don't think anyone else is paying attention to those words. I think they're paying attention to you. So it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? You're in there. That's all that really matters. It doesn't matter matter what you say. It's kind of like if that
0: fighter's in there, it doesn't matter what they do. If they they're they're in there and they enjoy them, you know what I mean? But yeah, it was, uh, now the coolest thing about that whole situation, man, I didn't have Twitter at the time. All right. Uh, another MC up in Canada, a friend of mine, Ryan Christian Ventura, he saw it and he sent it to me. He was like, Hey Dynamite, did you see this? He sent it to me on Facebook and I seen it. Boy, it just instantly, I got excited. I got so happy because here I am, my opening of a show on UFC yeah. Fight Pass's Twitter page. Of course. Hell yeah. Well, I didn't look at the heading. I'd never been on Twitter. Didn't know how to read it. Then after I got to looking at it, showing some buddies at work, I was like, wait a minute. Cringe ground. Then it hit me. They put this up to make fun of me. They yeah. put this up to try to bury me. So then, man, it just, in that instant, I mean, I sunk. I just, dude, I i, I got so depressed so fast for a couple days there. I mean, it hurt me bad. Hurt me real bad because you feel like you've achieved something, finally getting to that brand UFC Fight Pass, and then your first show ever, they put you out there and just step all over you. Right. So that hurt. That hurt bad. Well, then, lo and behold, I started a Twitter account that day after Ryan Ventura sent it to me on Facebook, just so I could see some of the comments, the what you get when you go to Bruce Buffer off a of wish, that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I've been reading all the comments and getting a kick out of it. And uh, lo and behold, man, I started an account that day. That evening, I had a private message. What the hell's a private message? I click on there. It was from John Anik. John Anik, the anchor of the UFC yes. pay-per-view team. My name was not attached to that Twitter post in any way, shape, or form. I just started my Twitter account that day, so I didn't have a single post, nothing like that. My name wasn't on there. That man took the time to find out what my name was, who I was, looked me up on Twitter, and sent me a private message. Said, hey, you've got talent, man. I'm a fan. Keep it up, dude. You're awesome. And you can, a couple of my coworkers at the time, when I still had my regular job, I sat in my office and cried for about 15 minutes. Yeah. Because I'd gotten so hurt by what had happened, and then for somebody on that level, I love John Eddie. Yeah, he's he's awesome. awesome. So for somebody on that level to take the time to find out who I was, what my name was, and send me that private message, it was all I needed, man. That was awesome. Yeah. That was so awesome. And if I ever get to meet the man, dude, I just I don't know. I I don't think I can put into words how much that meant to me, him taking the time to send me that quick little message.
1: Yeah, man, I think it's I think it's important that I mean, there's always gonna be those people out there that of course if someone sees anything in you that's somewhat similar to their hype then of course they're going to want to shoot you down I mean that's we see that everywhere right I is
0: mean, what it is man yeah. and see I'm not that guy dude like me coming up it was very hard for me this is it not the hugest media market down here in the Gulf South no, you is, know if you're no. in New York California yeah. those kind of places there's some doors that can be opened a little easier for you so for me coming up, it was, uh, it was very, very tough down here, and I had to bite, kick, cough, scratch, crawl, everything I got. So when I knew that I was going to move over to AKA, you know what? I said, hey, I'm going to try to help somebody out, and I'm going to try to make it a little easier for somebody else. So I met this young man, Kid Bryce Boudreaux, and he's now the announcer for Gulf Coast MMA, one of my former companies, by UFC, Joanne Cona's company down there. Bryce was a great young kid. He'd done a lot of pro wrestling. Well, man, he was fantastic. Did some national TV stuff. But I mean, in the world of pro wrestling, sometimes those guys might make 20 bucks a night as an announcer. And so I brought him in to help me out because when I was with Gulf Coast MMA, I was doing the ring announcing. And I was doing three, four-hour pay-per-views, commentary by myself. Damn, man. No partner, no play-by-play. It was just all me. Yeah. So it wasn't fair to the fans because you got that pause of me setting the headset down, picking up the microphone, going in the ring, and then transitioning my way back out. And plus, at the end of the night, it was killing me, man. I mean, you're just talking nonstop, ring announcing and commentating by yourself for shit four hours. Yeah. So I brought in the kid, Bryce Booge. was like, man, come in and be my commentary partner. Well, he'd never really done MMA, so we did a show or two. Man, we had chemistry. We just got along real good. And I saw it from the first show to the second show. I was like, man, just his improvement was incredible. So we started talking about ring announcing a little bit. Well, when I knew I wanted to take this step to AK, I kind of mentioned him. I was like, look, man, I'm going to uh, I'm finna change your life, buddy. I'm going to open some doors for you. So I made the call, let everybody know what was going on with the other promotions I represented. I said, but look, guys, I've got somebody that I'd like to offer to you as a replacement for me. Very talented young kid. So hell, you give him time, he'll be better than me. Gave him my full endorsement. Bryce is with him, done a couple shows with both of them now. And I mean, you could just see it every show. He's getting that much better, that much better, that much better. So to be able to open the door and help somebody else out, that feels good. Because I promise you, man, a lot of guys in this industry as announcers, they get their little spot, we find our niche, and that's it. Dude, you kick and beat everybody else down because yeah. you don't want anybody to come take your spot. Right. I've always been comfortable enough in my abilities to where, hey, if somebody can just walk in and a promoter's willing to toss me away that fast, obviously I was never your guy anyway.
1: Right. Well, do you think, if you had to pick anything – what would you double down on? Would it be the announcing? Would it be the interviews? Like if you had to say, this is, if someone would say, okay, this is all you can do for
0: us, what would it be? And you had the choice. It's tough. I think it would be the ring announcing, and the yeah. reason being, I get to interact with the fans. Yeah, Commentary table, you know, you can't put the headset down, get up, run around, pop right. confetti cannons, and dance with old ladies and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> you can't do that from the commentary table. I love doing commentary. Don't get me wrong, dude. Man, I do. I really, really enjoy it. And especially when you've got a good partner that you've worked with a little bit, and y'all have that cohesion going. It is. It's a lot of fun doing commentary. But yeah, for me, ring announcing's it, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what I figured, but I just had to ask, you know.
0: But, again, um, it's one of those you got to be versatile. You know, if you want to yeah. get a spot on an NFL team, hey, we don't have a defensive end, but I can use a tight end. Okay, I'm on an NFL team. Yeah, you exactly. got to have yourself ready exactly. to be on that spot.
1: Yeah, I think that – well, I mean, and also it gives you – it like you said earlier, you were saying you were having to do all of it. Well, you can't be great at one thing if you're having to do all the things, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can just focus on one thing, then you can master that. And it seems like you've mastered that for sure, and you're still able to do those other things well. You know, so I think that's great. I mean – like I said, it's well-rounded. I mean, you want that in your arsenal, right?
0: <laughs> well, and that's one thing about it too, man. You know, it, a lot of people that don't get sometimes the respect they need in this industry, we always talk about, hey, you know, respect the fighters. It's all about the fighters. And it is. It's, it is all about the fighters. Yeah. But guess what? You know who else? It's the promoters. And not just us at AKA. There's a lot of promotions yeah, out man. there, man. No, Look, we're the best. Don't get me wrong. But all the different promotions out there, promoters put up a big financial risk to rent these buildings, get their cages, and do everything. It costs a lot of money to put on even a regional MMA show. Do it just to give these kids an opportunity to go in there and fight and fight in front of their fans and get better and maybe give them that platform to get them yeah. to the UFC, to Bellator, and stuff like that. So sometimes, man, I feel like promoters don't get the respect or the, I guess you say, the accolades they should get sometimes because you can lose your butt in this game as a promoter yeah, real I quick mean,
1: you, yeah I mean you've seen so many come and go quick right I mean it's, it's I've seen it I've seen at least a dozen I'm sure you've seen at least two or three dozen uh, but no it's I think it's important for people to know that yeah that you you're having to you're having to eat shit pretty much I mean here's the thing you're, you're putting all the money into production right mm-hmm. and you gotta have you have to have it staffed you have to have the fighters there you have to make sure that it's um, live stream somewhere cover those things and then all to build someone up than to lose them to a higher promotion, right? Mm -hmm. It's just – it's a humbling – you have to be a humble person. Like, you just have to realize that, okay, I'm doing this for this reasons and that it's growing and and this is where I'm at and this is what I'm doing. But you're giving – like you said, you're giving them a platform to
0: grow to the next level. And just like we see in so many different industries, man, the local support is so hard to get. People will pay $80, $90 for a UFC pay-per-view, yeah. but they'll throw a fit when you won't give them a free $40, 50 ticket to your regional MMA show. Yeah. You know, they, they, they won't spend that 40 but they'll spend 90 to watch a UFC pay-per-view. Or, you know, same thing. You've got a local shoe company here. Yeah, I, yeah your shoes are too high, but I'll, I'll give Michael Jordan $180 a right. pair, $300 a pair. Yeah. So the local support, it, it's hard to, to, to get sometimes, and then just the, the loyalty is hard as well. Yeah, I think it's it's always interesting, too, because no one ever values, like,
1: people, like, you think about this, like, what, the circus still comes around? How in the fuck are they even funded? Because they give free tickets. You think about this, like, the Shriner Circus, whatever, they come through, and it's like, free tickets. Everyone gets free tickets. Like, how the fuck are they even paid for? I guess because there's someone donating that nonprofit mm-hmm. But, like, <clears throat> no one values anything they get for free. Nope. Like, if you pay for a ticket, you're going to value that seat, no matter if you pay $20 for it. If you paid $80 for it, you're going to value a little more, right? And you're going to say, hey, okay, well, you know, I'm going to pay attention a little bit more to this event because I paid more for it, you know. And I'm going to get dressed nicer for this event because I paid more for it. So I think there's a um, – it is interesting. And I don't think it's just this market. I think it's every market that uh, people, like – No, it is. It's, it's every You can't market. give someone a free ticket because then they're not going to value their time there. But at the same time, if you charge them too much, then they build it up to something that's like, you know – I don't know. It's it's, it's Look, I give
0: everybody a little experiment to try at home. You got a piece of furniture you want to get rid of. Go put it out on the end of your road, put free on it. It'll sit there and get ruined before the trash man comes to pick it up. Yep. Put that same piece of furniture at the end of your road and put $50 on it. Somebody'll steal it in 5 minutes. Yep. <laughs> They'll jump out and grab that bad boy cuz they think they're getting something of value exactly. for free. Exactly. That little experiment holds true. And that's why that's why it's
1: important. I mean, you have to you have to cover your costs, your expenses, and you're putting on a a high value show. Like i've I've watched this. I've watched this promotion evolve, but I've watched a lot of promotions mm-hmm. start out too big and sink very quickly. Yeah, they may have one amazing show and then just went to ship because they didn't cover their. You know, they exactly going to that cover one reaction. amazing
0: show cost a lot of money. Yeah. And they didn't
1: recoup. You guys had good shows starting out, and it's evolved to amazing shows. You know, where the production's better. That you know, the the, the commentaries there. You know, the live streaming's better. You know the. The promote like the advertising marketing's better, you know. Well, you can't soft- be
0: complacent. Yeah. Complacency is the enemy of excellence. Always has been. Always will be. You've always got to strive to do better. You know, you can't just be okay. That last one was great. Let's just keep doing the same thing over no, and over. You can't do it. That no, way. you've no. always got to strive to do better, get bigger, get better.
1: No. And you in in your guys' situation too, more than most, is like someone's out to come and get you always. You know, as far as if you're not doing if you're not doing the best in your circuit, someone else is gonna try to take it from you. So mm-hmm. you gotta be on top of your game all the time, which is something that's
0: important. And it's important in everything, but especially in this game. And, yeah, I tell you, man, it, it's funny how things evolve. You know, I'll give you guys a bit of a personal story. I remember I was doing a show years ago with the Golden Nugget in Biloxi when it first opened. We had Jason the Kid Knight, I think, fighting Tiago Alves, and that was ended up being a UFC matchup later on in their careers. They okay, fought so each other say, in the yeah, UFC. Okay, so this was Tiago Alves was on a card. You were – Was it? Maybe it wasn't Tiago, at, but it, it was another – I might have him mistaken. Have been,
1: it could have been. I mean, I'm trying to remember, well, but it was, was Jason
0: this. the Kid Knight. and He fought another fellow, and they ended up meeting each other in the UFC. Yeah, US, okay, like, okay. But – I remember that night, man, our our show ran so good. This was a company called Atlas Fights over in Biloxi. Yeah, okay. The show ran so good. The fights from the first fight to the main event, it was just out of this world. The crowd was electric. And I remember kind of judging myself that night. When I got done with the event, I'm going back to my room like, that's it, buffered linen. You guys get out (laughs) the way. Woo, dynamite's here, baby. I was very full of myself. Well, then, five, six, seven years later, I've got all these DVDs from shows we did back then. I say, you know what, man? I remember that night how awesome it was. I pulled that DVD out and I popped it in, and I started watching myself, and the old <laughs> face palm came out. But it was humbling because I remember how great I thought I did, yeah. and how great I thought I was that night. And then the future me seeing it six or seven years later is like, yeah, kid, you had a ways to go still. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you, you just you've always got to be looking to better yourself. And sometimes you can go back and and humble yourself. And like me, my journey to where I am now, DJ, you ever know what I did for a living before I came over with AK? You told me probably in passing, but I don't remember. Yeah, a lot of people don't because it's something I never disclosed to a lot of people. I work for where I live. I live in a little town called Covington in St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana. We're about 40, 45 miles north of New Orleans. That's where I live. All right, Working for them, I was a sewer plant operator for okay. 12 years. Okay. And I mean making two two 250 bucks a week. I mean no money. So all these years, these 15, 16 years... That people have seen me from Shreveport all the way down to Miami. All these MMA shows, all these bodybuilding shows, boxing, all this. I'm barely getting by. You know, I was lucky if I had enough gas to make it to the show. And what am I doing Monday through Friday all day? People see me on the weekend. Oh, look, there's Superstar Dynamite. And Monday through Friday, I'm literally elbow deep in human shit. Yeah. All day, every day. Out in the heat. Sweating my butt off. Making nothing. Doing this on the weekends. Got two daughters. I coached them in every recreational sport under the sun. So on the weekends, and dude, there was times I would come here with AKA on a Friday night. That's five-hour drive for me. Then I would leave to go Saturday night all the way to New Orleans, five and a half hours, to go do another one down there on Saturday. And then Sunday, get up and drive over to Florida to do a bodybuilding show over there. And then come in Monday through Friday, working in shit all week, and then Tuesday night you got, uh, let's say, softball practice with the oldest daughter. Yeah. As soon as that softball practice is over, now you got practice with the youngest daughter. I was the head coach, and then before softball season's over, hey, we've already started volleyball practice while we're playing our softball season championships. So for all these years, I'm doing you know this, this very unimpressive job for very little money. I'm coaching my kids as well as other kids in my community three nights a week, three, four hours a night out at the ball field in the gym, held four nights a week, volunteer as the PA announcer for a couple of local high schools, try to you know help them out, jazz at their program, volunteer to DJ at school dances and stuff like that. So a lot of people don't know that, didn't see that. And that's one of those things I've always said, if I ever get to a high enough level where somebody wanted to really dig in and find out a little about me, you talk about a rags the riches story. Well, there ain't no riches yet, but I can <laughs> tell you the rags of it, man. I can bring you the rags, but that's how dedicated I was to this. And at the same time, I knew that, man, I was going to do everything I could to grow my brand and grow as an MC, but I was not going to sacrifice my family for it. Right? I'll be honest. I really feel like in my heart, if I was a single man, wasn't married, didn't have kids when I started all this, Lord knows where I could be and what I could be doing right, right now. Right,
1: because you were able to put all your time into
0: it. But right. sometimes right. life gets in the way, and I don't say that in a, in a bad way because – I committed to myself. I'm never gonna miss, uh, you know, an honor roll breakfast. I'm never gonna miss an awards banquet. I'm never gonna miss a game. I'm never gonna miss a practice. I made and did everything with my daughters. Still made and did every single show, you know, as far as MMA, boxing, all that kind of stuff. And you know, did the job all day every day. Man, I've done shows. I did one at the Horseshoe one time. Now, let me caption this. This was years before COVID, so nobody comes <laughs> after me. Dude, I went in that night. I had 100. It might have been the night you fought. I had 103, almost 104-degree fever that night. But I just got going with AKA. I couldn't take the chance. It's like, hey, this is a you know, pretty big company. If you can't be there, they're going to find somebody else that can be. So I went up there that night and, I mean, did it with almost 104-degree fever. And it was all said and done. You know, oh, great, buddy. And I, I finally told Ricky Norris later on that night. I don't know how the hell you did it. I said, dude, I was about to die in there, but yeah, yeah. I did it. Yeah. That's just, that's how committed I am. And that's how much I love doing this. Was there a point in all
1: that? Because I mean, you're doing everything. You're, you're grinding every single week. You know, you're being a dad, you're, you're working your day job. Um, like, is there a point you want to give up? Oh, there plenty
0: of points you want to give up. It, and look, when, man, I'd be when's, lying. When's
1: like a, when's a pivotable one?
0: Oh, there, there's been times, man, where promotions have, have shut down. Mm-hmm. And you lost the gig. Luckily, I've only had two what I would call falling outs with a promoter. Only happened twice, and I mean they, they were a little ugly, but you know, watered the bridge. It, it was in the past, but you know, it, it, it hurts nonetheless because you you feel like, hey, all this over over fifty bucks. I, I didn't mean that much to you, you know that that kind of that, and then. I'd be sitting here lying, dude, if I told you. Look, everybody that does this, we get out there. I told you, I'm a real humble guy. This another, but you got to have an ego to get out and do the crazy stuff that I do. Yeah, you you, you got to be you know a little egotistical. <laughs> it, it's there, so the the jealousy is there as well. To to say from time to time that maybe I didn't get a little butt hurt when I see some guy that I feel like, hey, I can I can do what he does. I might even hell, I might even be a little better than him. But yet he just got this job working for UFC or he just got this gig for Bellator. He just got this gig. It happens sometimes and you question yourself, like, man, what the, the hell am I doing wrong? What, what do I have to do to get noticed? How do I capitalize on this? And like going back to the technical stuff, me being very, yeah, one of my big shortcomings, I don't know how to work social media, man. I don't have a clue how that crap works. It confuses me and confounds me to this day. But you got a lot of people out there, if you know how to work the social media, you can make a lot of money. You can make yourself a big star real fast. Yeah. And I feel like if I would educated myself or learned that a little more, maybe that could have helped. Who knows? But God's got a plan for all of us, you know? And I I feel like he gave me this voice that I've honed into a talent. I tell people all the time, is that your real voice? Yeah, I scrub in the shower. That shit won't wash off and stuck with it. (laughs) But so I feel like I've worked really hard to to hone that into a talent. And yeah, so maybe it wasn't in his plan for me to get this gig or that gig. There's a reason I'm with AKA. There's a reason I'm with American Combat Alliance. And like I say, there's all the big jobs are taken. So you know what I'm going to do? We're going to take this company right here, ladies and gentlemen, American Combat Alliance, a.k.a., and we're going to take this company to that level. So guess what? Now I'm a big-time worldwide announcer. You know why? Because I brought my company to that level. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's great. So I- that's the non-traditional way to do it. Hey, you, you, you can't find that buffer-style job because they're all taken? Well, I'll make my company so big to where now my job's the buffer-style job. Yeah. And that's what Amber, John, and myself and the whole team at a.k.a. are doing. And, man, it's uh, it's been a hard road. It's been a tough road, but we got our nose to the grindstone. And it's all because of people like you, like Josh over here, you know, all the fans, everybody that's been willing to support us and help us out. And same thing with me, man. There's no way I can ever put into words, and there's no way, as, as much as I've got diarrhea of the mouth, there's no <laughs> way I could ever tell all you fans, all you fighters, everybody out there that's ever had a kind word, everybody's been nice to me, that supported me for all these years. You'll never understand how much it means to me. And there's never any way I could say the right words to thank you for it. Yeah. Well, cheers to
1: that, sir. Um, I've noticed something too, since I started doing this stuff with you guys, like the fighters will reach out to you because they, they respect you on the level of, they want to speak with you. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's interesting. Hey, you give respect, you get respect. Right. Exactly. So it's like, I don't, Like, I've seen this sport evolve from a bunch of knuckleheads trying to create local promotions to, you know, to what you guys have now. And basically, I've had this conversation probably with you in the past and other people on the show that's, you know, from the UFC level all the way down to the local level. Um, It was always us fighting each other the whole time. It's like we we couldn't grow enough, big enough, to to get out to where we would get people to come here. It was always us fighting each other. Even when we would have an occasional fighter come in, and we would fight against them. It was still always this city fighting this city. You know, we never were able to open it up, and I feel like you guys have done that. And I think it is cool to, like, when, to, I don't know if a lot of these young guys, they need to hear this, and they need to know. I don't know if they've known what, what you've been through, what I saw in the process of growing this sport. Um, Like, it was hard, man. Like, it was so funny. These people, like, there's, these guys are like, well, my photo didn't get posted, you know, or this didn't happen, or I didn't get mentioned. I'm like, dude, we didn't fucking have. There wasn't no such thing. There was media. no such thing. There wasn't nothing. No one got mentioned. You just hope somebody showed up and bought some tickets that was in your corner. Like you know what I mean? Like you were hoping ten or twelve family members and friends would show up so you could make a hundred bucks off ticket sales. You know what I mean? Like that was it. Like so, it's it's interesting how this is, how everything's evolved, where the tension's evolved, and you know the caliber of the promotion's evolved, and also like for these guys to they do think what I'm what I'm getting at here is you are a big deal and they want to talk to you right. And that's important because they see that, okay, if I'm talking to this guy, he must, you know, there must be something there.
0: That's so funny you, you brought that up. I've never seen myself that way, okay, as, right. as a big right. deal. Nothing right. like it. Never right. have, it. I never will. Right. We were, um, our last show we did at the Paragon Casino with AKA. I'd went in the town a few weeks before to try to go you know, get some sponsorship sales and go That's out in the, the community. That's
1: right? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay.
0: And get some community sports, so on and so forth. Well, I remember one day I'd been out and I'd hit about 15 or 20 different businesses trying to get some sponsorships, sell some tickets. And I went to a little Mexican restaurant there that night, got a bite to eat. Sitting by myself, got a bite to eat, no big deal. The next day I get a message on Messenger from a fan that lives up there, Larry Martin's his name. Good guy. So Larry sends me a message on Messenger. man, I just want to tell you, you know, I think it's maybe Los Amigos or something like that was the name of the restaurant. I, I might be saying that wrong, but he said, "Me and my wife were we saw you in there last night." He's man, I wanted to come up to you so bad, but I just I got so nervous. I I I, I didn't want to bother you, man. I'm your biggest fan, and I just want to let you know. And I sent him back. I said, "Man, don't you ever do that." Do you come up, sit with me, I'll buy you dinner, you pictures, man, I had the title belt with me, don't you ever feel like you can't approach or come talk to me, bull. Dude, I'm one of those guys, if I was ever some big star, like a pro wrestler or an MMA fighter, I don't care if I had to sit there for four hours past what I was paid to be there for, until I've signed every autograph, taken every photo, kissed every baby that's put in front of me, I ain't leaving, Yeah, because I'm appreciative of of, you know, the, the love they send me, I'll be damned. You know I mean? Anybody out there, anytime you want to come talk to Dynamite for anything, for any reason, any way, shape, or form, I'm here, man. Come talk to Yeah. Me.
1: No, I mean, I think it's great. I, I was, you know, my thing was I'm not any sort of big deal at all, but I guess if you're a support- worldwide
0: celebrity host <laughs> of the Frequency Interrupted Podcast, come on now, man.
1: No, but what I'm getting at is, like, I'm just supporting something, and someone sees you supporting something and would be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Okay, I'm out here, you know, talking to these guys doing this thing, whatever, you know, and you know, in lieu of what you guys are doing. And like, so they wanna like, oh man, I want to get on the show someday. Well, like it's not that big of a fucking deal, man. I just I have conversations with people I enjoy talking to. Yeah. That's what this is here. It's nothing else. There's no hidden motives. I'm not trying to build a platform to push somebody up or whatever. If I'm interested in something you have to say, I'm gonna sit down and talk to you. That's just how it goes. But I do think it's I think it's awesome to see those young kids having something to look forward to. You know what I mean? Like man, one day I hope I get to talk to you in the ring. You know what I mean? One day I hope you get to announce my fight. I think that's awesome. It, it, It... It does something to you. It makes you feel a little warm and fuzzy. You know what I mean? Oh,
0: dude, like any time I've had fighters come up, Hey, would you do my voicemail message on my cell phone yeah. for me and stuff like that? Dude, they don't you don't realize that that just tickles me to death. That makes I'm honored to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know Bruce Buffer charging you God knows what for a cameo. Yeah. No, man, you need it, I got it, it's done. Yeah. Now people laugh at you, call you a bad businessman. Is that nah, man, it's not always about making money. Yeah, sometimes it's about just helping somebody, just doing it because you know, hey, I had a hard time. Sometimes, if I can help somebody out, make it a little easier for them, that's payment enough. That's payment enough.
1: There's always those people, those onlookers that are like, well, you know, you're they may like you're discrediting yourself, or you're you know, you're putting yourself on a lower level. I'm like, motherfucker, I come from the low level. (laughs) Like, I, I can't put myself on a lower level. I'm gonna, you know, help who I know who to help because. I'm here. I got here the same way they're going to get here.
0: Well, back to the ego thing. You know, again, man, I, you've been around me enough. I'm not that guy. Yeah. But in my heart, in my mind, do I feel like I'm the baddest some bitch to ever grab a microphone? Am, am I the best in the world? You're damn right I am. Yeah. I, mean, I think I'm better than anybody out there. I'm better than Michael Buffer, better than Bruce Buffer. I think I'm better than anybody out there. But guess what? You can't strive to be the best if you don't think you are. Same thing like you guys as a fighter. If you go into the cage and you're thinking, oh, man, this guy's a black belt. I'm a brown belt. He's going to kill me. He's got a boxing coach. I don't. What's going to happen to you in that cage? You're going to get skull drunk. You're going to get your ass whipped. Yeah, you're going to beat yourself before you even walk out. It's not so much about being full of yourself or this arrogant asshole, nothing like that. It's not. But, yeah, I mean, I believe in my abilities. I think I'm pretty damn good at what I do. I think I can compete with anybody at what I do. But – you know, sometimes you go out there and you make that kind of statement like I just did. And, oh, God, I'll be receiving hate mail over the next two weeks now. This yeah. arrogant asshole thinks he's the greatest, thinks he's better than Buffer, blah, blah, blah. But you have to have that mentality. And I would advise every MC out there, if any of y'all have to be watching this, you've got to think the same thing. you got to think you're better than me. you got to think you're better than Jimmy Lennon. You've got to think that if you ever want to get to the top.
1: Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I mean, you, <laughs> if you don't have any confidence, you're not going to go very far, especially exactly, in what you're doing. Man. I mean, you're, you're – you're not only, I mean, you're a, a voice of, you know, you're a voice of an organization, but you're also an entertainer and, you know, intertwined, right?
0: That's what I try to tell everybody, man. I am 80% entertainer, 20% announcer. Right. And that's the way it'll always be. I'm obnoxious. I'm loud. I'm over the top, but <laughs> I have embraced that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who the hell goes around calling themselves by nickname dynamite? You know, I can understand if you some billionaire, you start calling yourself ye or by one name. Yeah. I ain't there. I may not ever get there, but I do it. And did I ever tell you the story where that came from? Man, I think we might have vividly – We might even did it at the last show, what uh, the go, hell go, we've go, been let's drinking. Go, let's go, let's go. do it again. So uh, when I first got into this, you know people need to know who you are if you ever want to grow a brand. Yeah. So I'd say my name a thousand times. So I said, oh, I'm David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy, David Hardy. <laughs> you get done at the end of the night, hey, Michael Buffer, announcer dude. <laughs> let's get ready to rumble. And like I said, always wanted to be everything Buffer wasn't. So I was just oh, – like nails on a chalkboard. It would drive me nuts. Well, when I was younger, I was a kid, you know, had a bad attitude, sore loser, that kind of crap, blah, blah, blah. So some of my friends were like, yeah, you better watch old Dynamite over there. he blow up on you. Well, one night I'm coming out of the cage, and I'm so what the hell? I'm going to give it a shot. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Dynamite, saying thank you all so much for coming out. God bless you and good night. Dude, I didn't get one foot on the steps out of the cage. Dynamite! Like, That's the shit. That's it. Done. So
1: you just said, what the hell? Just what, what the were, hell? Were you like, said like, it were were one sitting night, sitting and one person... Yelled it back right. at me, so you know that was all it took. Were you tickling a notion in your head like previous, or that just happened like spontaneous? Just happened spontaneous. So you were just sitting in there, you're like, I'm just going to try this
0: real quick. Exactly. But why exactly did that name happened.
1: come to your to mind? Like what made what thought said? Just because I this? say when I was younger, people they, called they me call Dynamite because of the bad yeah, temperatures. I, yeah. so,
0: you know, I'm Dynamite. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Just like if you ever watched Larry King, the fable yeah. CNN interviewer yeah, guy, yeah. he gave an interview one time and everybody asked him, "Why have you wore suspenders for 50, 60 years?" <laughs> he said, "Well, I put them on one night. Two ladies gave me a compliment. There's it." Fifty years later, I still wear stuck, them. Stuck with he it. got two compliments one night for his suspenders; thought they looked nice and wore them ever since. Same thing. I got one compliment that night when I called myself Dynamite, and I was like, "Well, what the hell? There you go." That is funny because I never—I I mean, of course, I know who Larry King is, but I never even
1: knew that story. I think that is funny. Yeah, he always has fucking suspenders on. So yeah, yeah, you can
0: go back and watch. I mean, he talks about it in a lot of different interviews. He's yeah. Like, yeah, some—he's like some young female gave me a compliment forty years ago, said I like your suspenders. Said here I am, still wearing them. Yeah, just off of that one compliment. Damn. Same thing, man. Yeah, nothing. I. Nothing I do is, is plan, you know, the, hell, the, the first time when I, yeah, I went for about two or three years there where I was doing a little dance number in the cage during intermission at all my different shows. That was because we did a show at the Horseshoe one time. A fighter got hurt. Doctor had to go in the back to tend to the fighter. Well, the show can't go on unless you have your physician cage side right, yeah. per the rules here in the Louisiana State Boxing and Wrestling Commission. So what do you do? The crowd's there. You got to keep them entertained. Say, so, hey, you know what I did? The DJ hit a song I liked. Started shaking that moneymaker a little bit. When it was so funny, I danced a little bit that night at AKA with well, the next night. I'm doing a show down in New Orleans, five hours away, and people, hey, Dynamite, you dancing tonight? <laughs> I heard about two or three people say it. I was like, well, <laughs> guess I am now. And for, yeah, for about two years, man, now I worked that into every doggone show. Now we've gotten away from that, of course. You know, it ran its course. But for a little mm-hmm. while there, man, that was why. Just somebody there, they liked it. I want to make you happy. So I did it. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. But yeah, I've seen I've seen those numbers. You got some good moves, man. So that's where it came from, man. That's that's all.
1: <laughs> well, I I, I got to give you credit for this too. A lot of people don't know this. I need to tell you this, or I need to kind of give you credit for this. Um, so you also have been doing interviews with these fighters. Previous, like not not a um media interview, but more of getting to know them. That way, when you sit down at the um commentary, that you have some kind, sort of knowledge. Because I've witnessed this first, firsthand by being on commentary. We don't know shit about a lot of these guys because they're not from here. We've never seen them fight before. They come in, and all we know is a name in a gym. Well, that doesn't tell us anything. It also doesn't give you any conversation. You have to have some type of back and forth. You're doing commentary. You can't just – what are you going to fill in the gaps with, right? When mm-hmm. someone's laying there in a position for 20 seconds, what are you going to talk about? you got to talk about the fighter and where they come from. And you, a lot of people don't think about that, or inorganically that it happens. So you've been taking the time to do that. You know, so I'm going to tell you, thank you for that. Because you got us out of a lot of binds doing that shit before. Because I would, I would look at Tyler's
0: like, dude, I don't know. And I was, I was like, I think, no, we haven't seen this guy fight. I don't know. <laughs> well, I try to get to know a man because again, this is, this is my extended family. Yeah. You guys, the fighters, the fans, the promoters. I get so excited every weekend when I get to go do a fight. I'm, I'm going to see my family. Yeah. I mean, I see my wife and kids every day at home. That's my family, but this is my extended family because that's, that's the love I've got for everybody in this industry. And I feel like, you know, they give a lot of that back to me. So I get so happy to see them. And at the same time, man, I'm trying to do my best, my part, whatever that may be, to help these fighters make it to the next level. And how many people do you know go to an MMA event, especially at the regional level? Ah, we're going to the fights this weekend. What a company? Lot, I, I don't know. They've got some lot, fights lot, going on. Lot. Well, who's fighting? Hell, I, I don't know. we just going to watch right. the fights. So, so many times fighters are looked upon as just these Robots—they're just—they're fighters. To whereas, if you can give one or two fans out there something that they can associate and humanize that fighter, something they can latch onto to make them a fan. Now that fighter has a fan that's gonna follow them everywhere they go. Now they've got more social media likes and social media hits. So the more I can find out about them personally and throw that out there, like uh, DJ Thomas, the wrecking machine from Johnny Bedford's gym out there, wrestles for Texas Wesleyan University. Don Doyle, right? Don played the flute in high school. You wouldn't think that. Here's this you know, young man came in at 17 years old, an absolute killer in the world of MMA, super talented. So you say something like that, and now guess what? There might be some kid who has no athletic ability or aspirations whatsoever in his life, but he played the flute in high school. Yeah. And now he can look at this stud who's in the cage on UFC Fight Pass in front, fighting in front of the whole world at AKA American Combat Alliance. Hey, I played the flute in high school. Yeah. I like this guy. Yeah. And next thing you know, Don Doyle's got a fan. What's he doing? Like, is he fighting soon? What's he? Don is such a phenomenal young man. He's doing so great at Texas Wesleyan University. High level in all his classes. So the grants and the scholarships, I mean, they're basically paying that young man to go to school right now. And I'm all for it. Don't come back out here and get beat in the head while you've got <laughs> right, this go kind of opportunity that, yeah, yeah. to where get your degree, get your education. That way you can jump off into this. And if this doesn't work out for you, you got a fall back. Yeah. And I'll tell you another fighter I'm very, very proud of that did that. And that's A.J. Fletcher out yeah. of Gladiators Academy down in Lafayette. A.J. made sure he went and got his degree from University of Louisiana Lafayette, ULL, and now A.J.'s in the UFC. He yeah. lost his first two, but it's mm-hmm. super, super exciting fights. So AJ, he still has an opportunity there, but if the UFC doesn't pay out, He's got a bright future yeah, he's got ahead of him. To fall back on yeah. another one. I tell you, uh, I tell you about Sean the Savage Jordan. Remember Sean, yeah, UFC yeah. heavyweight. Yeah, okay. Sean finally got to the point. It's like, man, they just I can make more money at home back in Prairieville being an engineer, which is what his degrees from LSU were for. than I can't fight in the UFC right yeah. now. Yeah. So after a while, it's like, you know what? I'm done. And see, I have a funny story there too. The first ever. MMA show that I called in my life. Now I'm a big diehard LSU fan. <laughs> Sean Jordan fought Scott Barrett. Okay. And they fought in Mandeville, Louisiana at the Casteen Center and Sean came out with, I mean, I'll talk about the entire – it must have been the whole damn 2007-7 national championship team, unless Miles' team. So there's Dwayne Bow, early set. And I'm in the cage, dude. <laughs> I'm still just marking out the fact that I'm getting to do this. And here comes this two-time national champion fullback for the LSU Tigers, and I'm introducing oh, oh, dude, I fanboyed out so bad that night. And that was in 07? Oh, 07 oh, six,
1: oh, 07 oh,
0: 06 or oh, 07 oh, six, I think it was 07, oh, seven. That's and see that's another one, like Chris Barnett The fights for the UFC, the the, the heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, they just had the most exciting, entertaining fight you ever want to see. He cuts the front flip. All right, that's his head trainer, Scott Barrett. Yeah. I introduced Scott, you know, back when he was still fighting. Now he's got Chris Barnett, and Chris is just so entertaining, and people see him. Oh, here's old fat boy here. And then he gets out there, and he puts on a show. I hope Dana pays him and pays him well. (laughs) I love Chris Barnett, man. Props to that guy. Yeah, there is. I think that
1: they've seen it that you can see it like at that level. Um, you have to create your brand. Um, that's another thing too. We go back to talking about any of you guys, especially younger fighters, because I I feel like they do watch this stuff and listen to this, especially when you're involved. Take the time to to talk to your following. Take the time to create some sort of connection. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, don't just go out there and say, "Well, I'm fighting. I'm I'm badass. I'm not going to talk to nobody." No, create a connection because they're going to forget about you. Yep, they're gonna forget it. if you do not create some sort of connection with that, with that following, or create your own following. They're gonna forget about you, and that's gonna, no matter how you want to take it, no matter how much egotistical or badass or you know, Billy badass you are in your head, you have got to have those people behind you. If you
0: do not, you're never gonna make it to the level you want to be at. You know, when it comes down to it, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. It's the fight, it's the fans. Yeah, because why do the fighters fight? Fighters want to make money. Yeah. How do you make money? Make money off the fans buying tickets promotions go into business because they want to give the fighters a chance to fight but they want to make money how do you make money you sell merchandise to who the fans yep. so what's it all really about fans. fans even the fans that say get up hit them
1: <laughs>
0: if i had a nickel for every
1: time i hey, heard shit, stand them gonna... up ref i know how many. Times i wouldn't I be sitting saying, here with you dj holy shit dude like how many times have i heard that like just stand them up, em up get ref up. get it ain't that fucking easy <laughs> No I remember having like not. a I remember having like a fucking collegiate wrestler on me in half guard and somebody's I can hear in the crowd get up I'm like uh you come fucking help me get up cuz I can't
0: And look dudes you get up underneath a D1 collegiate wrestler oh my god wrestling is a powerful force in yeah. MMA I mean you look at the UFC champions roster at any given point in time you've got probably 60% of them their base wrestling Yeah wrestling yeah wrestling Wrestling is a powerful force in this sport. You man. have to
1: have it. You have to have it now to compete at this level. I don't care or at any level, really, even at the even at the entry level in amateur. If you're if you're going to get someone with wrestling experience and you get taken to the ground, you're probably not getting back up. I'm just going to tell you, like, just because you've never experienced that, right? Hey, and you smothered. Yeah, that weight on you is insane. Well, let's talk about. So we got some fights coming up. Um, who's on this card? I know. Um, uh, man, Cruz, we got Devin some bruises on this card, right? Which. I've been seeing him dominate. No,
0: De La Cruz is not on this oh, car. Oh, he's not on this car. No, that fight fell out. We're going oh, to okay, okay. be fighting uh, Daniel De La Cruz a little later on okay. at the age of 25, maybe AK-26. Okay, got you. Coming up. So yeah, we, And look, that young man has got a very, Dude, very, very bright future. And look, you again, you talk about that rags to riches story. Yeah. That's the ones you can really attach and get to. The young man's from Cuba. As we all know you, know, Cuba's a poverty-stricken country, this, that, and the other. He's okay. looking for a better life for him and his family. So he knows this is my outlet out This is my way to a better life. So he's staying active. He's out there fighting, doing everything he's got to do, putting in the blood, sweat, and tears. So you want to talk about somebody you can get behind and support? Daniel De La Cruz, a great young man. But, yeah, we got a lot of good fights. We've got junior MMA at this one. Now, that's something Amber and I are very, very passionate about. Because, you know, the sport, like we talked about, the sport has grown so much. It still has so much growing to do. Well, it's not going to get any bigger and better if you're not planting the seeds of the future now. So you need those young kids getting in there and of course, the rule set has changed to where it's not as violent. It's not as much full contact to protect them. But you want to get them in there and get them comfortable in that fighting situation. Yeah. So we've got a young man, Miles Putman. His dad, Put Putman, owns Putman Rest- yeah, yeah. Restoration Loput, around yeah, Loput, yeah. here. Loput, yeah. All right, his son's going to be fighting during the mm. intermission. So we've got a junior MMA match there. Then in our co main event, we've got the amateur bantamweight championship on the line. The undefeated Joe L. Sanchez will be taking on the newly crowned AKA Amateur Bantamweight champion, and that's going to be Little Mowgli, John Garza. What many people would consider an upset. When he defeated Daniel Rosaroso in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Because you and I know at 135 pounds, Rosaroso is a physical specimen. Young man was a beast. And that fight was so entertaining. That was one of the best main events we've had in a long time. Because they really did. They left it all in the cage. So Garza making his first title defense. And then the big main event, we've got our boy from Jesse Roberts. Malagray's team out there. Global Fighting Alliance in the Alexandria region. Jesse still undefeated. And look, you talk about accolades. Jesse made his pro debut inside the Bellador cage and still undefeated now since.
1: That's insane. So
0: imagine making yeah. your pro debut yeah. on a high-level show like that. Yeah. Did that, Jesse, undefeated, and Jesse's stepping inside the cage with Carlton Lofton from PBA Hard Hitters over in the Baton Rouge okay. area. okay. Carlton took a little time off. Carlton, a fantastic young fighter, very tough and tenacious inside the cage. Had a few that didn't go his way, so he decided, hey, you know what? It's time to do a little self reflecting, go back to the drawing board, reinvent myself physically, mentally, and my fighting style. And Carlton has done just that. And ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, don't let records or anything like that get caught up in your mind. This might be the biggest test to date for Jesse Roberts. Our main event's going to be absolutely fantastic here at AKA 24. And what we're most excited about, you know, we sold it out last time. Yeah. In August, it was an absolute 100% sellout here at Samstown. Now, we had a little issues with some the sound system and a few other things. So for this event, man, we're bringing in an entire production team. We're gonna have everything that you would see at a UFC event as far as lighting, sound, the whole nine yards. It's gonna all be at Samstown this time. So just like us. We're always stepping up, always improving, always doing better at AKA. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to get those tickets now, (laughs) DJAKAFights.com. Get them while they're here. Get them while they're hot. Get them before they're gone. Because Friday night, it's going to be all assholes and elbows, hooking and jabbing, scooping and slamming, hanging and banging at AKA24 Samstown Casino right here in Shreveport, Louisiana.
1: Yeah. Well, let's wrap it there, man. I'm excited about it.
0: I'm excited. I'm pumped. Yeah. Lock, cock, and ready to rock, baby.
1: Well, it's been, what, two months? Yeah. And it's like, every time, like, it's like, damn, I feel like there's a lag there. And it's like, okay, uh, fights. We're not having fights. Okay, we got fights. All right, let's go. I'm looking forward to a date. You know what I mean? Because uh, something that's, like, uh, consecutive on my calendar now, it's like, uh, I'm going to stay involved with this because... I've just seen it grow, man. It's just it's awesome to be there. And dude, you've
0: been you know involved with us for a long time with AK. You fought inside of our cage. Yeah, you've done. It's like my very
1: last fight was in AK. That's funny.
0: You've done commentary so many times for us, cage side with Tyler, with Danger. Yeah, you've held the Joe Rogan role, doing the post fight interviews for us for so long. You support us here with frequency interrupted. So, ma'am, we can't thank you enough for everything you do for us, DJ. Yeah, man, I'm ready. So it is uh, greatly appreciated. And for all you wild and crazy dynamaniacs out there that like to get a little. food in your belly from time to time, there's a big event coming up pretty soon down in the New Orleans area called Hogs for the Cause. And ladies and gentlemen, my man DJ here is going to be down there smoking up some good meat. And you talk about barbecue so good, you put it on top of your head and your tongue will beat your brains out to get to it. Go check out DJ Peanut and the whole team at Hogs for the Cause. If you're down in New Orleans and when's that coming up, DJ? That's going to be...
1: March 31st and April 1st, that'll be in New Orleans, and we'll be cooking. Man, I I, I don't know how many teams are going to be there, but there'll be thousands of people there. Um, we're going to have at least a team of five or six, but, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome.
0: Awesome food, awesome drink, and it's all for a great cause, going to help out childhood cancer, the whole nine yards. So, make sure if you're in the New Orleans area, support DJ and his team down there. What's the team name? So, we haven't got one yet. So, well, we got to with a <laughs> team name so yet. we know who to so vote waiting, for, guys. On,
1: so, we're waiting on uh, – so, me and Peanut trying to collaborate on that. Uh, Peanut, about. If you guys are listening, watching, don't know who that is. He's the owner of uh, one of the co-owners of Bojack's Craft House here, and we're actually above that facility now. But um, yeah, we're trying to come up with what we're going to do and a plan and all that. But we'll release all that shit soon within the next month, you know. So sounds good to me.
0: Well, DJ, as always, man, thank you so much for yeah, having man. me. I really appreciate it. It's not that often I get to uh, you know, come out and open up and tell the story like I did here today. So uh, really do appreciate it, man. Yeah, man, good to catch up. And we're going to see everybody Friday night live, large and in charge, Sam's Town Casino. Doors open at 5.30. Cage begins to (laughs) rattle at 7 for AKA 24.